0: Hi everyone. I just want to give a little shout out that Business Barn Raising is now open for the year. This time around we are really focusing on helping people who have been interested in incorporating hippotherapy into their practice get started. And the most important things to get started really are focusing on your practice location, getting all the systems in place that you are going to need to provide services. Those are things like insurance and contracts. And finally, finding the clients that you need to run your practice. And in Business Barn Raising, we cover all of these areas, both in lesson content format as well as supported coaching calls. So if you think this is something that might be helpful to you, be sure to reach out and get signed up. We will be starting in June. Gina, co-host of Animals and Aquatics podcasts, and I'm excited to get started this week. It's been a really busy week. We've had a lot going on, and it's exciting to share something with you. It's a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at something that's going on, and it's also a little bit of a blast from the past. So, in 2022. So a little over a year and a half ago, I presented at the American Hippotherapy Association's International Conference on Human-Focused Design and Motivational Drives in Occupational Therapy. And this presentation was something that I was really excited to share with a lot of other therapists. I felt like there wasn't a lot of information about using motivation with our clients or in our business systems. And I thought this would be something that would be really helpful for my colleagues. I was super excited to present this and I got really good feedback on the presentation that it helped people to think about another way of setting up business structures or looking at the client intake treatment and discharge process. And so I'm circling back around to this. And like I said, it's a little bit of a blast from the past, but also a little bit of a sneak peek because I'm really interested in incorporating some of this into the coaching programs that I do with therapists. And so I'm doing a little bit of a pilot program right now and getting some feedback from some therapists about how this motivational design really helps them learn and helps them meet their goals. And I want to share with you a little bit about this today because. I think when we're working in a non-traditional setting, whether we're using hippotherapy or incorporating water and aquatic therapy or more nature-based therapy, sometimes we take for granted some of the motivational drives that really bring our clients to us or things that motivate our clients to engage with us or during our sessions. And bringing light to this, I think, is really important. I want to give a little bit of a backstory on this, kind of how I fell down this hole, so to speak. So my business coach at the time, this was several years ago, she had talked about customer life cycle. And I was looking up this customer life cycle and I couldn't find the information I was looking for so I was searching for this information and what I came up with was something totally different and it's a framework called Octalysis and it looks at eight core motivational drives and it comes from a process called gamification and that's using um, gameplay techniques to solve real life problems and I thought to myself I don't game I'm not a gamer. This is not really my thing. But as I started to look into the framework, I thought, hmm, that's really interesting. And the more I started to look at it, the more I started to see the drives, like, reflected in what I was seeing with my OTA students, with what I was seeing reflected from some of the clients and families that I was working with. And it really spurred my curiosity, so I actually got the book, which is a really thick, like 800-page book, and read through it all, and as soon as I had read through it, I was like, wow, I totally see this in real life, and I can see how this works, and one of the examples in it was actually something from my own childhood, and maybe from your childhood or either that or we'll just kind of date me but that's okay I don't mind and it was a summer reading program that was hosted by Pizza Hut and so for every so many books you read you were eligible for like a free pizza and the interesting thing when they looked at this particular program to see if it promoted reading right that was that was the goal of the program was right to promote reading and the really interesting thing is that they found it didn't promote reading it promoted pizza because what you were working towards was pizza not reading reading was like the work you had to do to get there to get the reward and i think in occupational therapy there's a lot of interesting research regarding motivation, internal, intrinsic motivation, external or extrinsic motivators. And I think we can see that that extrinsic motivation can really have a long-term negative impact on of a lot of our clients. Another way that I've heard this described that I've used in some of my teaching is that we have social transactions and we have like a financial or a a commercial transaction. And so in our families, we have social transactions. So I need you to help clean up your room because we help to keep our house looking nice or we're all going to set the table. So that way we can all sit down together for dinner. Or I might ask a friend if they can help me pack up and move and they'll do that because they're my friends. So it's a social transaction, right? And that's why when we start mixing social transactions with these commerce transactions, things can get a little weird. And so when we put a price on a transaction, such as a sticker reward or getting a food reward or working towards a gift um, at the end of the week, That can change a social interaction into a commercial or commerce type of transaction. And so within our own families, we really want to be careful of those things. And we can see sometimes like the opposite can happen when we're in a business relationship with a family, a client's family, and it really becomes kind of social. And so that can muddy the waters as well. So thinking about the way that these motivational drives take place, whether it's within our own families or within our interactions with our clients, it's something that's really important to consider. And one of the things that I liked about this process is it looked at intake. So when someone first learns about your clinic or your therapy practice? What are the drives that are motivating them? And then when we start our intervention with them, that's a different process and there's different motivators that are going through that process. And then as we come up to discharge... There are other motivators and some of those are are very positive motivators, but often in that phase, there may be some kind of negative motivators going on like fear of loss, right? And that's an area I think as occupational therapists, we often don't do the best with, especially when we are incorporating some of our specialty areas because our clients really come to enjoy that experience of coming to the stable or going to the pool and parents may fear what they're losing. They may fear that they don't have something else to put in um, in those areas. So I I fell down that hole. I, I just started seeing all the applications that for us as therapists, if we learned about this, we really could make really good use of it. And it's something that I want to share, I want to bring to others, and I want to have other clinicians be able to experience it and really learn about it. Because I think it can make a difference in your business. I think it can make a difference in the way that you interact with clients. And the more that we can help our clients become more intrinsically motivated, and the more that we understand how motivators play a role in our services, I think the better that we can provide services and the more that we can help people with their occupational performance. So to share a little bit from my presentation from the AHA conference, I just want to recap some of the highlights from there. And generally, when I present, it's always about, is there one thing that you can take home? Is there one thing that will really make a difference in your practice? So from listening today, I hope that you really have one thing that you can take home that you'll be able to use. And When we think about this idea of gamification or being able to use game techniques in real life, we can look at, as occupational therapists, right, playing or game playing. It's characterized by being voluntary in nature, right? Nobody makes you play a game. It has a set of goals or predetermined rules that kind of limit the scope of our activity, right? It gives us directed action. And when we apply these approaches to therapy and we think about kind of designing either the the therapy experience or the therapy in the session, we can really work on um, triggering these physical and cognitive patterns for treatment, for neurological recovery. And when we think about something like hypotherapy as a tool, like what what do you think is motivating about it? Certainly drop me a DM and let me know what you think is motivating about hypotherapy as a tool. Um, What's motivating for you as a therapist? What might be motivating the families that are coming? What is motivating for the clients? Because I think it's a little bit different for all of them. I don't think it's the same when we think about everybody. So the eight core drives that I'm just going to touch on, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, I think, going into detail in more of these, if you're really interested, is something I could definitely do. But an overview of these is epic meaning and calling, skills and accomplishment, empowerment and creativity, ownership, social influence, unpredictability... Scarcity, and avoidance or fear of loss. So when we think about epic meaning and calling, it's really when we're motivated because we believe we're engaged in something that is bigger than ourselves. And I think this is really true often when parents are coming to us and they're seeking services, right? Because they believe that this is helping their child, right? is something bigger than themselves. It's something that's really important. With skills and accomplishment, we're often driven by a sense of growth, of a goal, and working towards accomplishing it. So for me, if we think of something like the Hippotherapy clinical specialist exam, right, that's a skill and accomplishment that I can share with others that definitely indicates a certain level of competence. And there's a lot of skills and accomplishments that we as therapists work towards achieving, but thinking about incorporating those into our client experience, experience can be important as well empowerment of creativity and feedback is when people are engaged in a creative process where they have to repeatedly figure things out they can try different combinations and it can be a way to express creativity and there's a way to see results uh, have feedback respond And I think there's a lot of components to that that we can see when we're in the aquatic environment or when we're using equine movement. So it's definitely, I think, something that definitely brings our clients back to us and helps to keep our clients motivated in our particular unique settings. Now, ownership is something that people feel like they own something when they have the ability to customize it or maybe a business that you frequent like your coffee shop, right? You like to go there because you feel a sense of ownership of it. You have a particular place you like to sit and I think that one motivates a lot of people. Now social influence, we know that there's a lot of ways that Social influence happens if we think about social media, both on a positive and a negative side of things, right? Social influence can have a big influence on human behavior. With scarcity, you want something because you can't have it, you might miss out, or you don't want to wait. And this can be really important for getting people to take action quickly, So if we have limited spots available for therapy services, it's our job to convey that in an honest way that's meaningful, but that also causes people to take action. Because a lot of times when we maybe are having a family on the onboarding phase, it may take them a while to take the action. And as a business owner, we need to know whether that spot is full or not. So scarcity can work for us in that favor. Then unpredictability and curiosity is a drive of wanting to find out what will happen next. If you don't know what's going to happen, your brain's engaged, you'll think about it, and you'll kind of keep coming back to that. So that can be really helpful. And our last core drive is avoidance of something negative happening. And like I said, that can happen With our clients when we're getting towards that discharge phase. So it's definitely something that we want to think of. Now, there's one drive that we would call or is called the hidden drive, but if you're an occupational therapist, this drive is not hidden at all, especially because it's a bit of our bread and butter, right? That's the drive of sensation. And people, especially children, are motivated by sensation, pleasure, the experience of movement. And we can see this whether we're on the back of a horse and that movement is very pleasurable to the client and we're using that to engage their systems or we can see that in the water when that sensation of being in the water can be very pleasurable. We can see that when we're out in nature-based therapy or incorporating animals in, right? Those sensations that the client is experiencing can be very pleasurable and therefore can be very motivating and that sensation is, you know, a core drive. Again, it's something that we definitely can take note of as a motivator for our clients. Now, I mentioned briefly in our introduction here today, intrinsic motivators and extrinsic motivators, and using feedback in therapy. So when we think about using feedback in therapy, again, there's quite a bit of research out there that for children and adults that Extrinsic motivation tends to be limited in scope. It tends to be limited in how long the client will engage in that behavior once the motivator is gone. So with extrinsic motivators, you're motivated because you want to obtain something that's a goal or something that you're working towards. And many studies have shown that once you stop offering that motivator, right, that thing that they're they're trying to get, that the client motivation will often decrease to much lower than even before the extrinsic motivator was introduced. And it's very important... In pediatrics, when we might be tempted to use a sticker chart or a reward board, or you hear a parent saying, like, just do your therapy and then we'll go out for ice cream. And so the motivation really becomes getting through the session just to get to the ice cream. And so that can play an impact in the quality of performance during our sessions and especially when we're using our tools like hippotherapy and aquatic therapy where practice and motor learning is such a big part of it when it just becomes get through it to get to the ice cream often we'll really lose that quality of motor practice and performance and that's a really lost opportunity. So with intrinsic motivators, you don't need a goal or a reward. You're using creativity, you're hanging out with your friends. Um, there's a feeling of suspense or unpredictability. The activity of in itself is rewarding and fun. And we definitely see this with our clients in our unique practice areas. I know that many of the families that I work with, they tell me, oh, Johnny was asking like, is it the day for OT? Is it the day for OT? Or are we going to the stables today? Or are we going to be out in the forest today? Because it's motivating by itself, right? And so people are most likely to continue behaviors based on intrinsic motivators. So you know, I'm a horse person myself. It's a lifelong love for me. It's intrinsically motivating. I'm not working towards anything in particular. I love it for the experience. And that's a gift that we can give our clients. Even if we're incorporating hippotherapy into their occupational therapy sessions for a short period of time, And then they go on to an adaptive riding program or they go on to a special Olympics competition or para equestrian. We're giving them a gift that goes well beyond our treatment sessions. And the same with our nature-based occupational therapy, that love for the outdoors, that will Kinkle with them for the rest of their life. That can be an intrinsically motivating experience that will bring them health and wellness long beyond their time with us. So when we think about these intrinsic motivators, they're really important. And the more we can incorporate them into our OT sessions, I think the more benefit that we can bring to our clients. The more, then the more we can explain that to parents. I think that's really important too, because a lot of times, I think especially in our current culture, there's a lot of emphasis on extrinsic motivators and rewards, things like that, where the more we can incorporate these internal intrinsic motivators, the more to benefit for our clients. Now, with motivators, feedback comes in there as well. And as therapists, we're certainly trained to do more than say, good job. But a lot of times we become a little bit of a cheerleader and we're not necessarily stopping to think, how can I use feedback therapeutically? How can I use it constructively? When do I want to use it? Sometimes it becomes a bit of a filler. And so we want to think about whether we're using feedback to give them knowledge of their performance, knowledge of the results, and are we facilitating intrinsic feedback, so feedback from their own body, or are we teaching them to rely on extrinsic feedback, feedback coming from us? And again, it's something often that we don't stop to think about a lot, but we really want to think about motivating the client to seek their own feedback from their own body and maybe tell us how they thought they did on that particular activity. And if we need to give them knowledge of results, we can certainly do that, but we need to use our feedback meaningfully. And again, a lot of times we do it as more of a cheerleading session rather than thinking about it in a way that gives them more structured feedback. So when we think about using feedback and taking some time to to really think about that, I think that's a really important aspect of using internal motivation so when we're thinking about you know assessing our own whether it's a therapy session or the tools that we're going to use because our toolbox is pretty big we incorporate a lot of different strategies and tools in our occupational therapy sessions but then also expanding that out to our business and our market marketing we want to look at what motivators are we using? Which ones do we rely on a lot? And which ones maybe are we missing in the bigger picture? So again, to recap this, the eight core motivators are epic meaning and calling, skills and accomplishment, empowerment of creativity, ownership, social influence, unpredictability and curiosity, scarcity, and avoidance of loss. And the not so hidden one, sensation. So as occupational therapists we have lots of ways to incorporate these different motivators into our OT sessions and like I said a little bit of a look back a little bit of a sneak peek but I'm really excited to have take a time to share this with you today and if you're interested in learning more certainly let me know I could definitely do some more detailed training on each of these core motivators how you can incorporate them into your therapy sessions whether you're in a unique practice setting like aquatics or hippotherapy or whether you are in a more traditional setting like a school-based or a rehab clinic thinking about these applies to all people of all ages and I think it's such an important thing for us as occupational therapists to start thinking about and incorporating in. So if you have any questions, shoot me a DM or send me a Facebook message. I'd love to hear from you and let me know what you thought of this episode and what you think of learning more about motivators. Thanks for listening.